Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. Today, we are looking to start our week with some wisdom and some encouragement from Psalm 15 and 16 today and Proverbs chapter 13. Now, Psalm 15 is very short. It's only five verses, uh, and it just deals with walking in righteousness, the bless, the blessing for walking in the right way and living your life properly. Psalm 16 is actually a prophetic psalm about Messiah, which we'll look at a little bit deeper. And then Proverbs chapter 13 is just a continuation of that contrast between righteousness and wickedness. You know, working hard versus laziness. You know, listening to instruction versus not listening to instruction. It's that contrast between wisdom and foolishness, wickedness and righteousness. And so that is what is on the agenda for today. The website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. All right, let's begin. I'll be reading from the King James Bible this morning. Starting with Psalm 15, a Psalm of David. Verse 1. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. In whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt, and changes not. He that putteth out his money to usury, nor, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. And that's the five verses for Psalm 15. So David's just asking a very basic question. Who's going to abide with the Lord? Who's going to abide in the Lord's tabernacle and dwell with him in his holy hill? That's the question David's asking, and he answers it. It's the person that walks uprightly. It's the person that worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. That's who. Now, some people will make the argument, well, there is, you know. I hear this often, that Christians... Basically, it's this idea that we don't need to be, we don't need to concern ourselves with walking in righteousness. But what do the scriptures say? And I'm going to refer to New Testament scriptures here, and I'm referring to the Apostle John in his epistle. John's pretty challenging about some of these ideas. You should go read if you haven't read them in a long time. Go read the three letters from John because he's very clear about these things. He says in his first letter, in chapter 3, verse 7, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. What I love about the, the epistles of John is he kind of, he doesn't really let you off the hook about the way 
you act, in the way you walk, in the way you live your life. Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. John's also the one who says, this is how we know that we love God. We obey his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. All through his epistles, he, he, he says, your actions matter. What you do matters. And you've heard my line that I say often and, and maybe even to a fault, but I'm trying to beat this idea into, this, into the minds of this current generation. Your actions matter. What you do matters. How you live matters because it demonstrates what you truly believe. Salvation doesn't, or I'm sorry, works don't save you. They're the fruit of what you believe. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Let's move on. Psalm 16. This is the one that has uh, a prophetic passage in it about Messiah, and we'll read, uh, we'll look a little bit further in that, because the Apostle Peter actually quotes it in his sermon that you see in Acts chapter 2. Uh, let's, get, let's, let's take a look here. Verse 1, Preserve me, O God, for in thee I do put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said, Unto the Lord, thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee. But to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent, in whom is all my delight, their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh, my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So that is Psalm 16 and it's actually verses 7 through 8. Uh, that are really acknowledged as prophetic verses about Messiah. So let's read those three again. So verses 7 through... Well, I'm sorry, yeah. Verses 7, 8... Yeah. Verses 7 and 8 says, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the... Here it is, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, and I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither will thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Now that phrase, Holy One, is used to talk about Christ often in the New Testament. 
uh, one of and one of them that's coming to mind is actually it's by one of the demons refers to him as the Holy One. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, just real fast. Uh, is it Luke chapter four verse thirty four? It says, "Saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Are thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One." Of God. So even the demons knew that he was the Holy One. So Matthew Henry has this huge long commentary on these three verses. Well, on verses 8 through 11. I'm just going to read you one small paragraph of what he says just to kind of drive this point home. He says, All these verses are quoted, he's talking about verses 8 through 11, are quoted by St. Peter in his first sermon after the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So he's referring to Acts chapter 2, verses 25 through 28. And this is, this is from the book of Acts, from Peter's sermon. Peter says, For David's speaking concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Now, by the way, if you ever wonder why it seems like sometimes the apostles will quote a scripture, but it'll be different by just a couple of words, the, the meaning is, is never changed, but it's usually, sometimes it's different. It's because oftentimes they're quoting from the Septuagint. And so you can go to the Septuagint and look at the verses that they're quoting, the passages that they're quoting, and see it line up perfectly. So just a, just a little study tip for you there. Okay. All these verses are quoted by St. Peter in his first sermon after the pouring out of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And he tells us, excuse me, he tells us expressly that David in them speaks concerning Christ and particularly of his own resurrection. Something we may allow here of the working of David's own pious and devout affections towards God, depending upon his grace to perfect, to perfect everything that concerned him, and looking for the blessed hope, and the happy state on the other side of death, and the enjoyment of God, but in these holy evelations, towards God and heaven, he was carried by the spirit of prophecy quite beyond the consideration of itself, and in his own case, to foretell the glory of Messiah. In such expressions as were particular to that, it could not be understood of himself. The New Testament furnishes us with a key to let us into the mystery of these lines. And then he has a bunch of New Testament stuff we won't get into. Uh, but he's got First Peter, he got Luke, a couple of verses out of Luke, a couple of verses out of Colossians, uh, that basically point to this same idea. The point is, this is a prophetic passage, and it's important to acknowledge it and understand it as such. All right, let's move on. Try to get some wisdom to start our week. A contrast of righteousness and wickedness. Proverbs chapter thirteen. Let's begin. A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. 
A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of transgressors shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. This is a, this is a verse here and an idea and a theme that's all throughout the Proverbs. This idea that there's wisdom and blessing in keeping your mouth shut. But those who can't restrain themselves, those who have to gossip, they have to open their mouth, they have to give their opinions, they have to share their th thoughts on everything. You know these people. And maybe you need to look in the mirror. You might be this person who just cannot restrain their lips, cannot keep their mouth closed. You're going to reap destruction. That's what the scriptures teach. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Verse 4, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Again, this idea, those who work hard and are diligent, and are, you know, they will reap. The lazy will only reap cursing. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Verse 5. A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. The ransom of a man's life are his riches, but the poor heareth not rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when does the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. That's a deep truth. There's nothing that makes a person more depressed, makes a person more destroyed from within than the lack of hope. Right? Because even in really bad circumstances, you can persevere if you just have if you just have the smallest amount of hope. Right now, if you're looking at the world, it can be very easy to go into a dark place emotionally and spiritually. But if you have just a little bit of hope, if there's just a smidgen of hope that, hey, things could be better tomorrow. Things could change. There could be a revival. Jesus, God, could do something in the midst of all this. Then you can... This is what's supposed to be strange about us. I mean, the world should be looking at the church right now going, what are they still so happy about? What are they still singing about? Why are they still walking around with their heads up and smiles on their faces? 
what is the hope that is in them that's making them be this way in spite of the condition of the world? Unfortunately, I don't know if that's true about many Christians. Sometimes I need to look in the mirror and ask if that's even true about my own self. But the lack of hope is the most dreadful place to be. And I've been there, and probably everyone who's listening to the sound of my voice at some point in your life has been there where you just feel like there's just no hope. And that's a really dangerous and dark place to be. Verse 12, let me read it again. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Have you ever been in that place? Where it seems like there's just no hope. Your heart's literally sick. Your mind starts to get sick. But then something changes. And a little spark of hope happens. And it is. It's like a tree of life. It's like you change in an instant. Hope. So then we just have to ask ourselves, where is our hope? Because that'll be the key. If your hope is in this world, then it may lead to depression, right? If your hope is in yourself and your own abilities, uh, you're going to be in trouble. Where's your hope? Verse 13, Whoso despises the word shall be destroyed. But he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. A wicked messenger fall into mischief, but a faithful ambassador's health. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuses instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but the abomination to fools is to depart from evil. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. In other words, friends, you make no mistake about this, you are who you surround yourself with. It's just a fact of life. Let me read that again. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. This is extremely important for young men and women to understand, especially at that age where you're in college or young adulthood. Make no mistake about it. You surround yourself with morons, and you're going to become one. You surround yourself with people who do foolish things, and you're going to reap the consequences of those foolish things. You will become the people that you spend time with. Verse 21. Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Much food is in the tillage of the poor, but there is that destroyeth for want of judgment. Here's an important one for parents. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. 
Those who refuse to discipline their children and correct their children, according to the scriptures, hate their children. In other words, you love your own comforts and your own uh, self more than your own child. Because if you love your child, you'll do the difficult thing, which is to punish them when they misbehave, to chastise them. What we have right now in this world is a generation of spoiled brats who were never corrected, never disciplined, never told they were wrong, never made to be uncomfortable. And now they can't stand discomfort. They're entitled, spoiled brats. And we see the outcome of this. And now it's illegal basically to discipline your children. I mean, that's what they want to get. That's where they want it to go. But the Bible teaches otherwise. Verse 25, last verse. The righteous eateth to the satisfying of his soul, but the belly of the wicked shall want. The thing about wickedness, the thing about sin, is it never satisfies. It's like a beast that you give it just a few crumbs and the hunger just continues to grow and it just wants to feed more and more and more. That's what sin will do. You give it an inch, it's taken 10 miles. You give it a crumb, it wants the whole plate. That's what, you know, that's kind of the purpose of fasting. It's to deny the flesh. Well, there is some wisdom and some encouragement for all of you this morning. I pray that it helps you to start your week. I pray that you would be blessed in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying. Thank you to those of you who support this mission of truth. Peace and grace be with all of you. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Until next time, God bless.